Welcome to Behind the Scenes Podcast. This show is full of stories, creative ideas, questions, and challenges with the hope of igniting and equipping you to be more intentional with your life. On this podcast, we take you behind the scenes of whatever we're learning and loving. Each episode will get you thinking about things you haven't before, spark meaningful conversations in your own life, and ignite you to love more creatively and intentionally. We hope this podcast feels like you're joining us for a campfire. Well, hope everyone had a good Valentine's Day weekend. It was awesome reading through your three sentence love stories. We've been doing that for what, five years now, babe? Yeah, it's just a really cool thing to see on Valentine's Day, reading real life love stories that flood the internet on Valentine's Day. So if you participated, thank you for participating in it. It's so fun to see those. We love sharing them and reading them. And we hope you guys had a good Valentine's Day. Maybe you did something special, even if it was something really simple, to just acknowledge your love story and celebrate it. Yes. And speaking of Valentine's Day, we are going to talk about conflict today. <laughs> right? Yes. So, not that Valentine's Day is is <laughs> no. something that sparks conflict, but um, it can. But it's what, <laughs> I mean, it's what so many people, it's one of those universal things that everyone has and... Mm-hmm. Every time we sit down to do an interview or get, you know, something about our book, everyone always wants to ask about conflict. Mm-hmm. And so we we thought, hey, this is a, this would be a great time to it's get a, into it. And it's also kind of one of the key things that we talk about in general in our books and on our podcasts and stuff because we know that conflict is inevitable and but we also know there's some ways that we can prevent it. Yeah. Cough, cough, mayor journal, cough, cough, weekly check-ins, yeah. <laughs> like all the things that we, Jeremy and I talk about all the time. There's ways to prevent conflict, but there's also ways to healthfully work through conflict and learn from conflict. Yeah. And that's a really solid perspective that we have talked about a lot in the past. And I want to re-mention now is just this idea that the idea isn't to get rid of it, totally get rid of conflict. Mm-hmm. It's rather to use it and you know, depending on what you might be having conflict from or where that conflict's coming from are road signs to what needs to get worked on. Mm -hmm. And if you're handling it in a healthy way, it should come up less and less or you should have conflict less and less or it's simply just managed a lot better or healthier Mm -hmm. in the future. But it's never going away. Mm -hmm. Like the goal isn't to totally eradicate it. It's rather to analyze it and then get better at it. And I want to say something just right now off of that, like the analyzing it piece. The best time to analyze your conflicts is not when you're having them. And and it's not right after you had them. That's not going to be a good time to analyze your conflicts, right? Because you're going to be in the heat of the moment. You're going to be having heated fellowship, like Emerson Hegrich says. It's not the time to like hash it out, right? So that's why we literally, I can't help but talk about it, but that's why we talk about the marriage journal as being such a tool for that because it's that random Tuesday that you decide to sit down and have your good time to talk about it where you can analyze the conflicts that maybe you had throughout the week. Out of the heat of the moment. Out of the heat of the moment. Um, so it's, it's kind of a return like, hey, remember when this happened? Okay, well, now that we're neither one of us is emotional, this is how I felt. We can actually be humble. Should we maybe handle emotional. it this way differently or why did I do that or you did that and blah, blah, blah. Yes. So... And there's this Charles Spurgeon quote that I wanted to read at the beginning of this episode because I think it's just really beautiful and true. Conflict brings experience and experience brings that growth in grace which cannot be attained by any other means. 
And for me as an Enneagram 8, I love that especially because I'm I'm someone that is more confrontational and willing to have moments of conflict because for me on the other side of those conflicts with people that love me and people that I trust is a deepened intimacy, a deepened level of trust, a deeper bond, a greater understanding of them and of myself um, and a humbling because for me, I go, okay, I look at conflict as an opportunity to learn how to love Jeremy more. And I might, I maybe invite it more or like poke the bear a little bit because I know that it's going to be a good thing that I can learn from. Not, not that I'm trying to like create conflict, but like that I'm asking hard questions that might. Yeah. Well, you think invite conflict. Well, not just you think, but it is for you a pathway to intimacy and growth. Mm Mm-hmm. More so, way more so. But so, than, yeah, for you, talk about it what it is for me. To, yeah, so talk about what it is for you. Well, because I, you're a, a conflict, conflict avoider. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a conflict avoider. It makes me feel uncomfortable. I would rather, what would I rather do? I'd rather probably have an experience of some sort together than go through a path of intentional conflict and again that's kind of a weird word i don't know if we should you'd rather not address it you'd rather blink forgiveness yes and move on yes (laughs) but you also would agree that that's why it's good for us to have those check-in moments outside of the heat of the moment because you want to blink forgiveness and move on but it's easier for you to circle back around yes in a time when and talk about it like talk about later yep definitely which is interesting. What are you thinking about? Oh, nothing. Oh, I thought you were looking for something to read or something. Um, so anyways, we wanted to talk about uh, three things that we have th- learned from our conflicts and think that are really important as we're talking about conflict. And yes. they're pretty simple. We've talked about them a lot. Number one is communicating our expectations. We talked about that a lot in less episodes, so we won't cover it too much this episode, but... Number two, having check-ins, and that's not just the marriage journal, but we'll talk about that a little bit. And number three, establishing our code of con- conduct, our code of conduct for fighting for, fair. For fighting fair, yeah. And we talk about this in A Love Our Life. We also talk about it in our new book, Creative Love. And we are going to share with you guys what our code of conduct is, which are basically our rules for engagement for conflict. And we're also going to give you some questions that will help you evaluate how you handle conflict in your marriage and then help you create your own code of conflict together with your spouse. So that's kind of where we're headed this episode. Um, All right. Let's let's do it. So first, communicating our expectations this a lot of Audrey's and my conflict can come from over committing and doing too much. And in doing so, there's just lots of things that we have expectations about. Mm-hmm. And so really this just comes down to communication. But whenever it also bleeds straight into the second thing, having check-ins, which is um, expectate you cannot meet your spouse's expectations if you don't know what they are. And you can't expect yours to be met unless you've shared them. Mm-hmm isn't rocket science really but i it's proven time and time again so many people subconsciously want something and either forget or never think to actually convey what it is they want mm-hmm. it's fascinating and even beyond that you know like a weekly check-in is a good thing and communicating your expectations are a good thing but you might be the type of person that doesn't know what you're 
you don't even know. It's not subconscious for you. You don't really know what you want. And that's part of the problem. And so one of the things we say in our book, Creative Love, is while a weekly check-in is a simple practice, the hard work of uncovering what's life-giving to you, how you like to be communicated with, and what you want in a particular situation, those are all necessary prerequisites. Because if you don't know what you want, if you don't know how you like to be communicated with or how you like to be loved or what's life-giving to you, how are you going to then be able to go and communicate your expectations? You're not going to be able to. Also, you can't then justify being angry with how how you were communicated with. And think about just this last Valentine's Day. Like if it was, if you really wanted a big experience and it's been a wild two years and you wanted to like get out, but none of that was shared or talked about, um you know, then it's not going to happen. Or if you didn't think about what you wanted to even go and share it, but you just feel this like deep down twinge of sadness that things didn't happen, that yeah, you didn't even ex- know that you wanted to have happen until after they didn't happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So again, not rocket science, but I feel like everyone needs to get reminded to communicate and be vulnerable and just share, share what you want. Really. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to having check-ins specifically, you know, for us, one of our check-ins is a weekly marriage journal, but we also have, like we talked about in the last episode about special occasions, we also have check-ins anytime we're going to an event, going to a friend's house or before a big day, a special occasion, a holiday, things like that. We We share this all the time. I feel like a broken record, but we just have this moment of asking ourselves the simple question when we're on the way to the place or the thing. What are your expectations for this? And mm-hmm. it gets us to actually think about it and then share it. And a lot of times, like we don't, sometimes we just don't have expect. We have very low expectations and we just kind of like agree, like, I don't know, let's just see how it goes. Like we just don't really have a lot of expectations yeah, and that's a okay. Five second but it's good to have realized thing. that before. For um, sure. And so that's, you know, while the marriage journal is this consistent weekly check-in for us, we also have those spontaneous check-ins before all of those big events or before we're going somewhere as just our way to going back to point number one important thing when it comes to conflict as our way to communicate our expectations um and another thing we just want to touch on real quick because it's been so huge for us when it comes to conflict and understanding each other and how we both operate in conflict is the enneagram and love languages yeah. Because both of those Huge. have been tools for helping us understand ourselves better and understanding each other better. And they've been amazing tools for us specifically when it comes to conflict because we've learned we've just learned so much about well, each other. So much about so much about ourselves, I would say. Yeah. It's just been a and huge window into why we each do what we do. Right. Like for example, Jeremy is conflict avoider wants to blink forgiveness, moves yeah. on really quickly, doesn't want to pr- talk about things. It probably things. would have taken us years to actually claim that and know that if one of those tools didn't help us figure that out. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, so third, number three, this is really yeah. the thing we want to camp out on this episode. Yeah. Because it's the biggest thing. Yeah. Okay, go on. There you go. Oh, establishing our code of conduct for fighting fair. We think everyone should, you know, it. this doesn't need to be... We have ours printed out somewhere and we... Like in our mar- premarital counseling binder or yes. something. <laughs> it's more of something you just talk about. It conti- it continues the conversation. You talk about this with a code of conduct from your spouse. And all this really means is 
you have a conversation about how you want to handle conflict when it comes about. Mm-hmm. And part of this conversation for you all to do individually would be asking yourself, where does most of our conflict come from? Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it stress? Is it lack of time together, money, uh, children, whatever mm-hmm. it might work, mm-hmm. whatever it might be? Knowing where the root of a lot of your conflict comes from like, is really helpful. For Aj and I, a lot of our conflict comes from overbooking mm-hmm. and then having to manage all those expectations of all of the things we've committed to and booked. Mm-hmm. That's where the lion's share of our conflict comes from. So knowing yeah. that, we've been able to produce our code of conflict that is generally structured around that type of conflict yeah. and, ha- and what happens uh, when, when we overbook and, and commit to too much stuff. Yep, for sure. So we thought we'd share ours as like an example for you. And then we want to give you guys some questions so you guys can create your own. And this isn't something that we refer back to all the time. It's not like we pull out our code of conflict and are like, hey, Jay, remember yeah. this thing? Section it's like, two, yeah. part A <laughs> It's more this. just like you talk about it once and, and then you kind of come to an agreement of like, okay, this is how we're going to agree is healthy to engage. It's again, coming back to setting expectations for how you're going to do conflict in your marriage. And I kind of think of it as like, setting up a will or a trust or something like that. Like it's not something you're going to go back to and refer to all the time, but it's something that's going to be a hard thing that you're going to have to set aside time for. And you're going to have to think about and have hard conversations with, um, and do it once knowing that you have it to refer back to if you need to, but it's kind of like having had that one conversation, you're going to remember, like you're going to remember when you die, who you want. If, if you both die, Who's going to take your kids? Like, you're going to remember that. You know what I mean? You don't need to refer back That's to it. That's quite the, the time, extreme right? like, example, Sorry, babe. it's just the thing that popped into my head and I just could not push it. Um, but anyways, the, the idea is... Away from morbidity, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay, what, so... What you're trying to say is this doesn't need to be some cheesy thing you hang up and pull out yes. as some... As some declaration not every that you time need to be afraid don't be afraid of being cheesy though yeah don't be afraid to be cheesy but <laughs> but it, that's what you're trying to say there yes. this is just have yeah. the once you have the discussion once it pretty much sticks with you um yeah so okay babe you want to trade off every other when we as yeah we and let's, okay? yep. yep let's do it so okay our code of conflict don't fight in public so this is something that we just find is it creates more conflict for us, basically. Yeah. If we get in a disagreement there's so in much public, pr- there's just pressures. There's ex- there's it increased start, expectations, yeah, perceptions, and then you're not just worried about the conflict, but you're worried about well, how people saw the conflict or the true story, and it's just totally unnecessary. I think practicing one single ounce of self control mm-hmm. will allow you to okay, like let's decompress and resist from hashing this out in public, and do it in a more appropriate setting. Yeah, because I think oftentimes when we have fought in public in the past, we just both become self-conscious about how our fight and disagreement looks to our friends, families, or random people in the restaurant. And it makes the situation more about the fight and less about us actually resolving the issue. We get focused on like what other people are thinking instead of like how we can move past this. So we've just resolved to, you know, if we're going to have a big disagreement, like, we don't need to hash it out in front of other people. We can do it later when we're at home and we can just work through it better that way. And it also yep. prevents the night from being ruined. Like, let's just table this, come back to it and not ruin our night over it because we're and ruin other people's night over it, too, because they feel awkward. Right. OK, 
Um, yep. So second, have cooling off periods. Super obvious, but this is just something Aj and I remind ourselves of every now and then. It's specifically me because yes, I, I don't. Just say that. <laughs> I don't like or work this well. This created more. Like for when Jeremy. Audrey gets all riled up and just super intense. I tend to be the one that shuts down and knowing that this is now a pointless conversation because my response, internal response has been to shut down. It, this isn't going to go very far. This mm-hmm. is just going to be her throwing hammers at a wall. So, okay, I'll suggest let's cool down. And she never likes it, but she knows that this is something we agreed on because we know this works. Let's cool down and I'll go to the garage and tinker and we'll come back in 20 minutes and have an actual conversation mm-hmm. instead of our emotional responses uh, shutting one of us down. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn, like this is a humbling thing for me, that it's okay to not, I, I felt like we need to resolve all of our conflicts immediately. Like that's the healthy thing to do. We need to, yeah. like once we're in it, we need to resolve it. And I, I tended to demand the conversation in the moment, which isn't really healthy and like, well, if I was different, it might be healthy. Right. Maybe. But I also think just in general, like demanding a conversation rather than inviting the conversation. Those are like two different things. Like we need to talk about this and work through this now versus like, do you want to talk about this now? Or do you want to talk about it in 20 minutes? Or do you want to talk about it when we do our marriage journal on Sunday? Like inviting the conversation, you yeah. know, and the marriage yeah. journal is kind of like that way to like invite the conversation rather than demand it now in the yeah. moment. Which is hard for me because I want to, just like Jeremy wants to blink forgiveness and move on quickly, I want to reconcile quickly. Meaning I want to have the conversation. I will move on very quickly. I don't hold grudges. Mm-hmm. But not until I've had that moment of reconciliation and yeah. talking through. So, Okay, you're up. Number three, pursue a resolution together. So this is something early on in our marriage someone said like to us, I can't remember who or where or how, but... To not get so focused on compromising. Like you hear that word a lot in marriage, you know. Marriage is all about compromise. It's all about compromise, right? And there is that there's truth that rings from that. But Yes. But I think like there it can be a slippery slope. Um, because one person can always be compromising for the other, right? Yeah. Or compromising can be a cop out for actually doing the harder work of coming to agreed upon resolution. True yeah, like we are both in this together and this isn't, we are not seeing it as a compromise. We're seeing it as our joint mutual decision. This is super nuanced. Yeah, it is nuanced. But I would call this, I would call this spiritually deep. Mm -hmm. Like this is one of those deep, deep things that has a nuance to it. But when compounded over five, 10, 20 years, we'll, we'll probably have different results depending on how you're viewing this. Yes. Which yes. is compromise versus resolution. Resolution is, I would say, or I would argue, a much more uh, unified oneness approach to to something. Compromise might have the oneness goal, but as Audrey said, depending on personality types and a lot of things, it could always be one person compromising. Um, and even if you don't know that, it's mm-hmm. just the way it pans out. And then there, who knows what could be uh, burrowing underneath the surface that is going to show its ugly head in years to come. Yes. And so, one more super, thing. Super nuanced there. Yeah. But. but one more thing that falls underneath that that's less nuanced is just when it comes to pursuing a resolution together, 
words like always and never, like you never listen, you always are disrespectful, you never blah, 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 are not helpful. They're always never true, right? Because those things prevent you from pursuing a resolution together and they they turn you against each other yeah. where you're doing this blame game thing and that is not helping anybody. So we try to like eliminate those from our vocabulary. We we try to never use the never always words in our marriage. And we'll call each other out. Because we know it's not true. Like when I say <laughs> we it. We straight up call each other out yeah. if we ever do it. Like when I say it, I'll just go, you just said always. Yeah. And then I'll be forced to recognize like, yeah, unless I'm totally being an ignorant right. person, that's, it's not true. Totally. And then usually one of us might laugh, but um, next, we've all heard it. Remind each other you're on the same team. Yes. Of course. We say, Audrey says this to me a lot because I can tend to be the more cynical one. Is that the right word, babe? I can just, critical. critical that's the word I'm looking for. Both? I, I can be the more critical, <laughs> cynical one and make remarks that just are obviously unsportsmanlike. And so she'll usually be the one to call me out on, like, I'll call her out on her heightened emotional state and say, let's cool down, mm-hmm. chill. She'll be the one to call me out on on word, pride. my pride and words I'm using and just say, we are on the same team. Mm-hmm. So stop. <laughs> yeah. Super helpful. That's part, think- it's a part of our code of conflict. She has total permission to say that to me and, and knowing that I will receive it because I've agreed to receive it. This yes. is where the code of conflict comes, comes into play. You both have talked about this. We've talked about this before. So I've conceded to agreeing when she uses that term. It's not her attacking me. Mm-hmm. It's me saying, I recognize this. This is a great way we can, we can actually come to a resolution. So that's the whole point of this. Yeah. And once, and once you recognize that you're on the same team and sometimes one way, simple way that we do this, we've talked about this before is just putting your hand on, like, I will put my hand on Jared's shoulder and be like, we're on the same team or reach over to grab his hand because it's just like for us in our marriage specifically, this might not be a thing for everybody, but like, it's just kind of like a bomb diffuser of like, come to Jesus moment. Like for Jeremy, physical touch, just like hand on the shoulder, whether it's me reminding him of something or we're in a fight, like that physical touch there's something about that that just kind of like deflates the bomb a little bit. Yeah. Um, And then also once you realize you're on the same team, you can pinpoint what the opponent actually is and fight against it together. Mm -hmm. So once you find out what the problem is, not who the problem is, then you guys can as a team beat whatever it is that is your opponent, whether it's an external attack or stress on your marriage or, um, you know, whatever the thing is that needs to be resolved. And it might be something that one of you is doing, of course. Totally. But it's not the person, it's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, true. Next point, caveat. Don't gossip, but do seek trusted counsel. So I think a lot of times we can, as Christians, like we shouldn't gossip, right? And I think sometimes we can like, we can use talking to wise counsel as an excuse for gossiping like yeah oh we're gonna just go put our spouse on blast for like all the things that bother us or or we think that are doing wrong and mask it under this umbrella of like i i'm asking for wise counsel here so like i can just vent right i think that's a fine line i'm not saying obviously you need to have trusted people few i would say argue in your life that you can talk to about hard things going on in your marriage. But 
there's a fine line between like putting your spouse on blast on a girl's night for all the things that they're, that you think they're doing wrong or that bother you and seeking a mentor's advice about mm-hmm. a specific issue. Um, yeah. And it's also human nature to build teams because we feel safe and secure the more people we get on our team or on our side. And that might be one way we leak out information simply to be validated in in our way of doing things. And the more people that validates us, because you're the one that shared your opinion and your side of it, the more you feel you're like you're right. And it just so our whole thing is Aj and I, we just try to limit when there's an actual con which again, this doesn't happen very often for us personally, but mm-hmm. yeah. In the rare occasion that there's something mm-hmm. going on we're like okay we should probably talk to some people about th- we have like two or three people that we go to right true yeah and i think a key like and, thing in the going to a mentor or a friend about something hard in your relationship is instead of just venting it all out asking the question what might i be doing wrong that's causing this issue instead of making it all about your spouse and what they're doing wrong when I ask my mentor like about a hard thing going on in our marriage, I'm going to lead with there's this hard thing going on. I need you to help me recognize what I'm doing wrong that might be caught. Like you get to humble yourself and yeah. you get to be the person that is yeah needs growth too, not just your spouse, right? Um, and I think also like this kind of goes without being said. Again, it's not really been an issue for us ever, but like don't put your spouse on blast on social media or in social gatherings like – it's not the time to or place to throw them under the bus. Obviously, probably yeah. most of you know that and don't do it. But um, that's kind of it for our code of conflict. So we wanted to give you guys a few guiding questions for helping you create your own. Um, kind of evaluating where you're at in your how you handle conflict so that you can create your own code of conflict. Yes. All right, so we're going to share now just some questions that we think are helpful for, or at least were helpful for us when we were coming up with our own code of conflict. We hope they can be helpful for you as you evaluate how you do conflict right now and then create your own code of conflict. So um, yes, but if, if you do this, when you do this, get some snacks, get some drinks, make it fun because, you know, it's going to be a harder thing to talk about, but also resolve that you're not going to get into conflict over this. Um, like have a sense of humor about it as you're talking, have humility about your blind spots, you know, recognize that you are talking about stuff that's going to help you from fighting and having conflict in the future. And although it might seem hard and clunky and awkward to have some of these conversations, that's why we say like, try to make it as fun as yes. you can. Like make it a date night, but make add fun and humor and humility into it so it doesn't just feel like this weight of a thing that you do. It should feel like something that is going to be an awesome um, kind of foundation for you as you move forward in your relationship. Yes. And I feel like now is a great time to just remind everyone we are not licensed uh, (laughs) marriage coaches, we're just sharing from our experience. What, yeah, whatever it is, we have no official training experience, mm-hmm. nothing. It's mm-hmm. just, I want to say this to be clear because every now and then someone will be like, they talk about their relationship and they don't have seven degrees. Why is anyone listening? It's like, no, we're just sharing our story, sharing what's helped for us. And I'm going to leave it at that. That's the mm-hmm. caveat. Okay. Okay. Babe. So first, there's kind of two steps to creating your own code of conduct. 
code of conflict, sorry, code of conduct, code of conflict, uh, evaluation. So here's some questions that will help you describe the current state of conflict in your relationship right now. What scenarios tend to spark conflict in our relationship? So like for Jeremy and I, it's usually when we are overcommitted to things. What tendencies do we have that elevate tension to turmoil? So like what makes it turn from conflict into a fight? So like a tendency would be for me to just leave a room and leave Audrey hanging. (laughs) Yes, that would be a tendency. Uh, So like, do we resist taking time to cool off? Do we resort to blaming and criticizing or raising our voices? When we fight, do we fight fair? When does it become unfair? So talk about a time when maybe one of your past conflicts turned to unfair fighting or Or the kind of fighting that you do not want to do again um, that you want to prevent. What coping mechanisms do we use when we're overwhelmed? Do we stonewall and shut down? Jeremy? Yep. Leave the room? Or do we threaten and attack? Audrey? Yep. what do we do well when we're in conflict? So this is an important one to talk about. When you're talking about how you do conflict, you need to also recognize the things that you do do well because while you're focusing on all your pain points so that you can prevent them, if you don't recognize what you're doing well, you're going to feel super defeated when you have this conversation. So think of the last time you and your partner did something to diffuse a situation um, from turning from a conflict into a fight that you appreciated um, or you saw the way you saw the way that they handled something wisely during a conflict and talk about that and how you can maybe um, gravitate towards repeating those actions the next time you have a conflict. Yeah. All right. Now so, for the creation. So those are some questions to evaluate where you're at with conflict right now. You want to tackle the creation? Yeah. Creation. This exercise helps you determine the the actual rules to create an ideal state for handing conflict. We call ours our code of conflict. We have it written down somewhere. This is the creation process. So what parameters are, or boundaries can we set so our fighting is healthy and productive rather than harmful and destructive? So one quick note about boundaries. Boundaries are always put into place never to restrict or inhibit, but actually to guide and protect. Mm-hmm. And you know, think of the boundary on a fr- in the middle of a freeway or on a, a ski slope or whatever it might be. Those are designed and structured to keep you mm-hmm. safe and on track. That's the idea there. So mm-hmm. think of a few parameters or boundaries you could put into place. In light of the coping mechanisms above, can you decode for your partner what you need in that moment? So, for example, you leave the room. What does this actually mean? Do that you, need- you want. Yeah. What do you actually want? Like, do you, does that mean that they need space to process, to breathe, to cool off like what one of ours is? Um, So just start defining when things happen in moments of conflict, like start defining why you're doing the things you're doing. And be clear about what you need in that moment. So like, you know, a lot of times we do things and silly, silly things in our relationship, like females tend to maybe do this, like leave the room and storm off. But what you really want is your spouse to pursue you and come after you, not to actually go have space. Whereas maybe males tend to actually really want to go have space. Yeah. Um, but so you need to actually like think about those things that you do that signal to your partner. I don't want something that you actually do want 
or signal to your partner that you do want something that you actually don't want. Yeah. I know when Audrey goes upstairs, she wants to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when I'm tempted to think, oh man, sheesh, she left the room so I don't have to? Great. Sheesh. Sheesh is your new favorite word lately. Sheesh. I feel like you just say it all the time. <laughs> Uh, okay, what can we do to speed the process of repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation so that we don't linger in hurt and dysfunction? What can we do to speed the process? Um, there is something we write in our book, Creative Love, but one of the marks of like mature love is the ability to not take offense quickly. It's, yeah. It was something like that. Like we wrote it, we wrote it better than I just said it, but basically the ability to, to not be offended in your marriage, to like, let, let the little things roll off your shoulders is a sign of maturing love. Um, and I think once you recognize the more, once you've kind of gone through this process of creating your code of conflict and realize understanding more about your spouse through how you handle conflict and they handle conflict, you, your love is going to mature just through that process. And you're just naturally going to be less offended by things Mm -hmm. because you're going to have a greater understanding of where your spouse is coming from. And they're going to have a greater understanding of where you're coming from. Yeah. And then the last thing in the creation is describe a healthy way you would like conflict to be worked out. So So maybe this is like actually playing out a scenario. You both have your ideals or you both want things to go a certain way. So share them. And what would look like a successful process of start to finish conflict to resolution. Mm-hmm. And you might both say the exact same thing, in which case, awesome. Uh, build build your code of conflict around how to get there. If they're totally different, then you might have some discussions ahead of you on like, okay, well, if this is actually like what you like the path you think would be good and it's opposite of what my path is, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to bridge that somehow. And come to a resolution over a compromise. Yes. Yep. So well said. So that's kind of it. We hope that you guys this, take some time to actually do this. Like yeah. again, it's a one-time thing that actually can serve as a foundation that will just be like in the back of your brain, mutual agree agreed upon ways that you have in your brain. Yeah to prevent conflict and to resolve conflict. And it's so helpful. And this at the end of the day is is just all about being intentional about every aspect of a relationship, loving faithfully. And this might've been a little teachy of a thing, but we felt like there was a lot of just, we'd share our examples and what we've come up with. And Mm -hmm. so I hope it was received that way, but let us know if you guys do come up with, with a code of conflict Tag us on Beating 50. It'd be awesome to see or even share it. Like, mm-hmm. hey, my husband if and you I, are my willing. wife and I came. You don't have to, but if you're willing. <laughs> yeah, if you're willing. Like, this is our code of conflict. And this is how we're, we're you know, promising to navigate conflict moving forward. Mm-hmm. And Maybe it, you come up with it your doesn't own name even need to be, Like, I think we have five things. Like, it, you could have three things. It doesn't, mm-hmm. this isn't. Ours science, have also but. changed a little bit too over time. Like, yeah. maybe it's something you revisit. Yep. Um, okay. Well, there, and we, get, we get asked about this a lot. So we thought it merited its own podcast. Yes, and I just want to end with kind of two final thoughts and notes. One is we hope that this whole podcast can be an encouragement to you because there's really nothing like knowing that your spouse has seen the worst of you yet chooses to love you anyways. And conflicts tend to be times that expose the worst of us. 
especially if those conflicts turn to fighting. Um, but they also have been just these amazing opportunities in our relationship for deeper levels of intimacy, mm-hmm. deeper levels of understanding and trust and bonding and feeling like we're on the same team. And all of that is worth it. So you might be listening to this whole podcast and going like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit down and walk out and talk about, but like, I'm just telling you, I hope that you can see it as a worth it thing to do because if you can learn how to navigate, prevent and resolve conflict well, it really is just this massive help in your marriage. Yeah. Um, and, and allows deeper intimacy, which is well like said, kind of the main thing. So um, one note on forgiveness, because we would be remiss not to talk about forgiveness as we've been talking about conflict the whole podcast. And I think asking for and offering forgiveness is really important thing to do. Like actually blatantly, do you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. <laughs> you know, will you forgive me asking for it and going through that process I think sometimes we think forgiveness is assumed. Mm-hmm. Like once we resolve our conflict, we don't actually ask for forgiveness and like go through the that way of handling it. We think that that's important to do. Um, but also just wanted to give a quick note on forgiveness. Forgiveness shouldn't be assumed. Like I said, it's a choice to let go of the hurt and anger and give it to God. Forgiveness is not merely saying it's okay but it is acknowledgement that an injustice was done and that you're choosing to no longer carry the offense. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. I think that that is like important. I'm going to read it one more time. Forgiveness is not merely saying it's okay, but it's an acknowledgement that an injustice was done, but that you are choosing to no longer carry the offense. When you forgive an offense, it allows you to walk free of bitterness and resentment. Forgiveness doesn't change the past. It changes how you move forward. A sign of maturing love is that we would take less offense. There's that line. (laughs) Be more resilient and address wrongdoing with kindness and be quick to forgive. That's a little note from our book, Creative Love, our new book that just came out in January. Um, But I just wanted to read that because I thought it's important to at least mention forgiveness. It's <laughs> well said, babe. I like that. And speaking of creative love, if you want to receive a free copy, we've got a way to do that. We are trying to sponsor 300 kids this podcast season through Compassion. We have partnered with Compassion. They are doing wonderful work around the world providing healthcare, school supplies, food, medical to kids that simply can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And so we hope you join us and join hundreds and hopefully thousands of others choosing to sponsor a kid. And if you do so through our unique link, we'll send you a free copy of our new book, Creative Love. There's two ways to do this. You can go to compassion.com backslash Roloff. And sign up to sponsor a child. Sign up to sponsor a child, bless their life, and we'll send you a book. Or you can text Roloff, that's our last name, Roloff, to 933-833-93. So text Roloff to 833-93. And sponsor a child. Join us. And we'll send you a free copy of our book, Creative Love. That's it for this week. 